0: Take your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Genesis, chapter 12. When you're starting a new year, Genesis is always a good place to start. And as we start a new year, we're going to talk about what it means to be faithful to the Lord and how to simply respond to Him. And so in Genesis, chapter 12, is where we're going to begin a new series of messages. Let me kind of outlay for you what this series of messages is or what it's about. For the month of January, we're going to talk about... What is one of if it is not your most important possession? Something that you should protect. Something that you should take great care of. Something that is precious and powerful to you. Something that is important even though we don't always treat it as such. Something that we have at our disposal that can be a powerful tool yet we often overlook. And that is your yes Your ability to say yes to projects, to relationships, to engagements, to opportunities. Your yes is a tiny little word, but yet it is tied to your expectations, your will, and your ways. And with it, with your yes, you can open up doorways, gateways to a path that will leave you blessed by God, that will allow you to have a God life that will be blessing to you. A life blessed by God. A life purposed for God. But that yes can also be used as a doorway or a gateway. Saying yes to the wrong things can lead to a gauntlet of regret. Of disappointment. Of a wrong direction. All of us in this room, I would dare say, if we're honest with ourselves this morning could look back at moments in our lives. And hopefully we have those times in our lives when we realize that we said yes to an opportunity, yes to a relationship, yes to a job, yes to a commitment. And it opened up a doorway that allowed us to understand what God intended for us, that allowed us to see God in a new way, that allowed us to be used by God, that was a blessing to our lives. But I am almost certain that even if you can't think of that particular part of your life, You can think of moments in your life when you said yes to a schedule, to a conflict, to something happening in your life, to a relationship, to a job offer, to an opportunity, and it was the wrong decision. And it led you down a path of regret or guilt or shame. You see, that little word, yes, and its even smaller companion, no, are the building blocks for your Monday. And you're weak for your 2020, for your next decade, for your lifetime, that your life is a result of the yeses and no's that you use throughout your life. Daily decisions that almost seem inconsequential when bundled together make a huge difference. I was thinking about that this week as I was reading a little bit, thinking a little bit about the world of coding, and I know all of you are really excited to think we might talk about coding for a minute. Everybody know what coding is? Are you here this morning? Are you around? Okay. So coding, so isn't it amazing how far computer stuff has come in the last 50 years? I mean, I'm I'm not 50 yet. I'm getting closer every day. I'm not there yet right? But in the last 50 years, we've gone from computers in rooms to the fact that I now have three computers on me currently. I have my phone, which is Ever present, right? I have my watch that is talking to my phone and getting information there. And then I literally have a computer helping to keep me alive on my waist because I'm an insulin-dependent diabetic. And it is giving me insulin constantly and has an algorithm, computer software program in there, figuring out what my blood sugar is, giving me insulin based upon that, working around that, doing that without me even thinking, and it's fun to look at our devices. Our devices have become part of us. Um, now, I I know some of you, when I even begin to talk about devices, if you don't already have it in your hand, you start jonesing, like, oh, I've got to get mine, pick it up. And we like it because of what the information it gives us, the fun that we can have with it. But what's interesting is the device itself is just a block of mechanical technology. It's the software that's in there that runs it. Now, I don't know if you know much about this. I don't. So if I say something that's wrong and you do, just nod your head because it ruins the illustration if this isn't true. All right. But all of the software that we use is built upon code. And almost all code goes back to a binary language. Binary language is just two numbers that almost every software thing you have, everything you use on your computers, is based on one and zero together. One means on, zero means off, and they put eight of those together, eight of those bits into a byte. They put bytes in together to make large megabytes into terabytes, all this kind of stuff, right? I don't want to lose you, so I'm going to stop there. But. Everything tells so like one zero zero one zero zero one translates by your phone into a lowercase T that gets sent over the air and on the other air one zero one zero whatever what I said that so it gets translated into your friend's phone in the text message, that's a T and the cute little sloth GIF you sent to your friend or GIF, whatever you call it, is translated all those numbers and it's all determined by ons and offs, ones and zeros in patterns underneath all of the pretty software. Well, your life is a combination of ons and offs, ones and zeros, yes and no. And over the next month, we're going to talk about how should we use our yes. Genesis chapter 12 is where we're going to be today. And we're going to talk today about the biggest yes you have. And I want to tell you right from the beginning, your biggest yes is not to a plan, It's not to a script. It's not to a decision. It's not to a specific thing in your life. It's not to a blueprint. It's not to a, it's not to a, a calendar. It's not to a self-actualization plan or an exercise program or an eating healthier regime. Those may be important, but your most and big, most important and biggest yes in your life is to a person, not a plan. My life verse, the reason I love the word yes, is because it leads off my life verse, is Isaiah 26, 8. It's a verse that was ingrained in me 22 years ago. And that verse says, yes, Lord. The most important yes that you will ever have in your life. And I want to talk on the big level today. We'll kind of dig down into micro levels in the weeks ahead. But on the macro, the big level, when you say yes to the Lord, it changes your life. Yes, Lord, walking in the ways of your loss, we wait for you, for your name and your renown are the desire of our hearts. Now, we could do a whole sermon on this. I have done several sermons on this. This is my life verse, but the most important part of the entire verse are those first two words. Yes, Lord. And we've talked about before that no other word makes sense before the word Lord except for the word yes and one of its synonyms. You can't say no and the word behind it still mean Lord. Because Lord means the one in control, the one to who I am submitting, the one that I am following, the one that I will please. And when you say no, then you are denying that you are following the Lord. You can't say maybe or sometime or next year or when I get to it, that when the Lord, if he has rightful place in your life, the only words that make sense are yes, absolutely, right now, immediately, Lord. You see, your biggest yes is to a person in God who is bigger than whatever the job opportunity is before you, whatever the relationship that you're making the decision on, whatever the dream is in there, whatever you see in your future, whatever your fears are, whatever your past is, the, saying the word yes to him is the most important, biggest yes you have. And we see one of those important moments play out Early in the story of the Bible. In Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12 starting in verse 1 says. The Lord said to Abram. Go out from your land. Your relatives and your father's house. To the land that I will show you. So the Lord comes to Abram. And says go out from your land. Your relatives and your father's house. To the land that I will show you. Now, if this was the first mention we have of Abram, we might kind of think that's a strange thing to stick him in here, but it's not. Now, we often act like it's the first time that he's mentioned in the Bible, but it's not the first time he's mentioned in the Bible. In fact, he is mentioned just in the verses before that, and it gives us a little background about what's happening in this situation. And I want us to think about that, and I want you to think about your life before we launch into the yes that Abram had to say. Because in the verses before this, it tells us about his father, Terah, who took his son, Abram, his grandson, Lot, who will play a part in this story, and his daughter-in-law, Sarah. And they set out together, it tells us, from the Ur of the Chaldeans to go to the land of Canaan. So Abram's family, chosen by God, is already moving towards the promised land, is already moving towards where God is calling them to go, is already in the process of going towards them. But the last verse we get before chapter 12 is, but when they came to Haran, which is not the promised land, which is on the way, but not quite there, they settled there. And it says his dad, Terah, lived 205 years and died there. See, when we pick up the story of Abram in chapter 12, what we have is someone who has settled for less than what God intended for him to have. And so when Abram's family is on their way, for whatever reason, distraction, convenience, they found some people they liked. They fell in with the wrong crowd, or maybe a good crowd, or maybe some people that were not terrible, but they just weren't what God had intended. They found a spot, they settled there, and even though his family was to continue towards the promised land, they stopped and they settled where they were lacking God's best in their life. And it asked me the question, when I read that this week, I thought about it this week, and I'm asking you the question, where in your life have you settled? Where have you stopped short? Where have you given partial obedience? Where have you given part of your life to God? Where have you given some of that? His dad died there without going forward. And so when God has that generation die, God has chosen Abram. His family doesn't give us an explanation why, doesn't tell us why, doesn't give us full details why, doesn't give us any indication that it's anything in Abram that makes him that way. He just chooses Abram and he calls him. So when he says to Abram, get up and go, what he's saying is finish what should have already been done. Don't settle anymore. And I just wonder if, I just wonder, as you begin this new decade, as you begin this new year, I don't know if you made New Year's resolutions. Studies say that if you have, they're already broken. We're five days in now, right? We're almost a full week in. I don't know where you are specifically, but chances are, and my guess is, that there are many of you in this room that as we enter a new decade... You have settled in some or many areas of your life for less than God's best. In your relationship with your spouse, in your relationship with your kids, in your work environment, in the efforts you give there, your school environment, the efforts you give there, in your social settings, in your neighborhood that you have settled for less than what God's best is, what God's plan is. And we have Abram in chapter 12, verse 1. The Lord said to Abram, he's the one that has settled. He's the one whose dad didn't take him all the way. Go out from your land, your relatives, and your father's house to the land I will show you. Now what's interesting about that call upon the life of Abram is simply that God gives him very little details. Amen? Very little details. He basically just says, Leave, get going, and I will show you. Yesterday, we, uh, we, Luke, playing basketball in a recreational league, and we had a game in White House, and so we went to White House High School, and we got ready to leave White House High School, and you know, it's always kind of tricky about 65, some of you live in White House, coming down 65, whether it's going to be, you know, really crazy busy or not, and sometimes it's a great shot, and sometimes it's not, and so when I get in the car, the first thing I do when I'm leaving White House or going to White House, or really anywhere in my life at all these days, is I put it in that phone GPS put it up on my dashboard, and I go wherever it tells me to go, right? I just have complete faith and trust that Waze is going to take me home. And sometimes it's crazy. Yesterday we went down Tyree Springs the whole way. Um, I remember when we were in Los Angeles doing missions, we never went the same way twice in three years of driving it. Because of... All the traffic and all of that just figures it out and goes. As I was thinking about this passage today, I thought about many of us are with ways the way God asked Abram to be. Now, the difference is we know where we're going in the end, but we just trust it to take us wherever it's going to take us. And Abram said, or God said to Abram, just simply Follow. Anytime God calls us to put our yes on the table, anytime he calls us, as one pastor says, to put our blank check on the table and say, yes, God, whatever, he always gives us the assurance that he's with us and there are promises in the midst of it. So look at the rest of chapter 12, the beginning of chapter 12, at least. It said, and I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. He goes on to say, I will bless those who bless you. I will curse anyone who treats you with contempt. And all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. The blessings that God gave him, the promises God gave him, interesting, it's really a reversal of what happened at the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve sinned, that they were thrown out of the garden, they were dispossessed from the land. God kind of, he gave them some protection, but not the protection that they were looking for, and that he scattered them. When you had Babel that had happened at the end of of Genesis, they were scattered among, and he says to Abram, I'm going to reverse that, I'm going to give you a land, I'm going to give you a possession, I'm going to give you a people. And I'm going to protect you and those people. And then we get to decision time. Now, it's easy for us on this end of the story to go, well, we know the decision he's going to make. We've read this story several times. But for a moment, I want you to put yourself back in that moment. Your family apparently has settled in an area that has done well for you. That you have, It tells us about all the stuff they would take with them. They had prospered in that place. You've settled down with the family. It's comfortable. Your dad has died. Do you know what that means? The new patriarch of the family is you. We'll find out. We'll know this in a moment. Abram was 75 years old. His wife was around that age and was barren. So that wasn't really on their radar. Like having a child was kind of past them. As with most of you that are 75 years plus in the room today. God comes to him and says, I want you to get up and move. I want you to spend the next 25, 30, 40, 50 years in a different place. And I'm not going to tell you where it is until you get there. Decision time. Yes or no? One or zero? On or off? Abram said yes. We know that. But I want you to see here is he didn't ask him to commit to a plan or to a full set of instructions. He simply asked him to say yes to him. In fact, sometimes when I read this, and some of you out there are like, listen, I got to have a plan. I got to have an agenda. I got to know what's coming. Sometimes I ask, or some people have asked me, I've read this question, what does God have about giving out the details? Why don't you just tell Abram where he's going? What's happening? I really think there are three reasons that he doesn't give the details here, and three reasons that he often won't give you the details. And the first one is what we've said multiple times, but I want to drive it in today. He is asking him to say yes to a person and not a plan. We should say yes to a person and not a plan. That when God calls us, when God asks us in our life, we are not committing to a certain agenda, to a certain path, to a certain plan, to a certain decision. We are simply committing our life to him. The second reason that I think he doesn't give details is, is because when we get a plan, we start negotiating the plan. Most of us in this room, if we're honest, would say that we generally like plans if we come up with them. Can I get an amen in the house of the Lord? Like, if somebody else comes up with a plan, we're like, I don't know. Have you heard about that plan? I don't know. Right. There's a scene in the last uh, Avengers movie where uh, the two, two main characters, Chris Pratt and Robert Downey Jr.'s character, Iron Man gives him a full plan. He goes, That's a good plan, except it's terrible. Here's mine. And it's completely different. That's how most of us are. And if you don't think we would do that with God, then you haven't read your Bible very much. In fact, there's a place in the New Testament. I want to show you this because I think it's just fascinating. Some people say, well, if God would just give me the details, I would do whatever he asks. If he would just show me the plan, I would do whatever he asks. Let me show you a thing that happened. This is over in Acts chapter 9. It'll be on the screen. You can write it down or you can go over there. But it says there was a disciple in Damascus named Ananias... And the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, and he said, Here am I, Lord, he replied. Now, we're going to keep it there for a minute just to let you know. Chapter nine is kind of an important chapter in the entire Bible because at the beginning of chapter nine, anybody know what happens? Somebody converts to Christianity, kind of a big deal guy. Saul becomes Paul. Right? Saul is saved on the road to Damascus, and this is immediately after that. And so there is a disciple in Damascus. Where was Paul on the way to? Damascus, right? So Paul's on his way to Damascus, he's saved, meets the Lord on the road, and then the Lord goes to Ananias and says to him, hey Ananias. And Ananias says, here I am Lord. And then look at the plan God gives him in the next verse. Get up, and go to a street called Straight, to the house of Judas and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul that is praying there. Now let me just ask you, can you get more specific than that? That would be like saying. Whatever your address is, I won't, somebody's going to need my address. Well, let me tell you. This isn't like the good old days when you used to say, go down by the green tractor and take a left and go a couple of miles and take a ride over by the feed store. Like this is specific directions for their day and time. Go to the street. It's called Straight. Judas's house on the street called Straight. In there is a man named Saul from Tarsus, and he's praying there. In his vision... While he's praying, he has seen Ananias. Now, who's he talking to? Ananias. He's seen you coming in and placing his hands on him so that he can regain his sight. Let me just ask you a question. Could God get more specific here? No. So before we reveal it, do you think Ananias went, awesome, God, thanks for the plan? No, look what he says. Hey, um, God, I don't know if you know this or not, but um, that dude's bad. Right, I have heard from many people about this man and how much harm he's done to your... Hey, God, don't you know what this guy's done to you? And he has authority here to arrest all of us. He says, God, I hear your plan. It's a bad plan. Let us not think that we are not that proud ourselves. Hey, God, I hear your plan. It's terrible. Let me tell you mine. If God gives us the details, we would go... I don't really know about that, God. Now, here's what I love. is what I love. God is not into the current kind of um, aesthetic we have where when someone says something like this, you kind of pull them to the side and you put your arm around them and you say, let's have a conversation about that. The next verse, God says, go. The Lord said to him, go. Now, if you want to write, fill in the lines between the writing. Get off your rear end and go like I told you to. Like, did he really think God was going to go, oh, wow, Saul's that bad? Well, maybe we need to rethink this whole thing. Go, for this man is my chosen instrument to take my name to Gentiles, kings, and Israelites. I, you notice what he says here? It's my job to take care of him. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. You see, we all say, hey, God, if you just give me the details on the front end, man, that'd be awesome. I would love that so that I know what I'm saying yes to. The reality is God knows that if he gave us the plans on the front end, we'd go, I don't like that one. And so he just calls us to say yes to him. Now, there's a third thing, and this is important too, because this comes at the end of this. He tells him, hey, listen, this is my plan, and it is bigger than you would believe. Hey, this guy that you're about to go lay hands on, you're going to restore his sight to, he's just not any Saul, just not any persecutor that's become a Christian. He is literally going to be the most important church planner in the history of Christianity. Think about Abram, right? God said to him, hey, he just gives him a glimpse. He said, listen, I need you to leave. And when you leave, this is what I'm going to promise you, your name is going to be great over all the earth. Your people are going to be more than you can count. You're going to be protected and blessed and through you a blessing is coming for the entire earth. There is no way that Abram in that moment of that decision had any idea the impact that would have. And there is no way that he thought somebody four to five thousand years later would be standing on a platform using a screen to talk about him. Because God's plans are bigger than our plans. He is able to do exceedingly abundantly above what we can ask or imagine. And my guess is if you truly say yes to God, I'm not talking about physical material blessings. I'm talking about eternal blessings that come from you and the impact of your life on the next generation or your neighbors or your family or your workplace. That if you saw what was down the road, if you say yes to God and you begin to make those yes to God decisions every day and they stack themselves on top of each other that you would be so shocked about what's at the end that it would frighten you to death and so God says you don't need the whole thing right now you just need part of it I mean think about the ramifications of Abraham's yes Abraham would have a child Isaac now we're going to talk a minute about the way it got there Isaac would have a child named Jacob. Jacob would have children that would become the basis for the people of God. The basis for the people of God that would give us great heroes of the faith like Moses and David and Joshua. And that line would be the one that would lead to Jesus. And because of Jesus, who died on the cross for your sins and mine and rose again from the grave, there is eternal hope for you and me because of a decision made by Abram to do what God called him to do and say yes. Let me just say real clearly on the front end, too, for this whole series. God is completely sovereign. He can do whatever he wants. And he will make his plan work with or without you. But it's a lot better to be part of it than not. We never know what stands in the balance of our yes. We don't know what people are going to be impacted. We don't know what nations, what sphere of influences, what generations. We don't have a clue what's going to make a difference. some of you are here today and you know what the next yes in your life is. But you say, well, I'm just not ready yet. Can I tell you the cool thing about this whole thing is it doesn't matter. It's not dependent upon you. It's just simply on you saying yes. Can I tell you about Abram? This really strong example of faith in the Bible. In fact, when you get to Genesis chapter 11, it calls him out in the hall of faith and it says that Abram, when not knowing where God would have him to go, said yes and went. But can I tell you something? Abraham was a deeply flawed human being. Deeply flawed. He made mistakes that you and I would look at and shocked that somebody did if they did it in our day. Even in his initial commitment to go, we see a lack of faith. It's commendable that he went. I'm not saying it's not. It is commendable that he leaves. But read again with me the rest of what it says there. It says, And Abraham, as the Lord had told him, went, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he left Haran. He took his wife, Sarah, his nephew, Lot, all the possessions they'd accumulated, and the people they'd acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan. Now, let me ask you a question. In the Bible, if it repeats something within one verse, it means it's important. Why is it important that Lot went with him? Because when God calls him, he says, leave your home and your... Here's what? Relatives. What is Lot?" So why did he take a lot? Because he just loved that boy so much. You know why he took a lot? Insurance. How old is Abraham? Seventy five. His wife is a barren. You know what that means, right? Can't have babies. God told him he was going to have descendants that he couldn't count. And Abram in his mind goes, I don't think that's going to work out, God. I better take a lot just in case. Now, in case we think, well, that's not the reason he took him, there are other occasions throughout Abram's life when he tries to go ahead and give God. He asks God, well, Eliezer, hey, Eliezer, be a good heir for me. And God says, that's not who it is. It's going to come from you. He goes, I'm just trying to help out here. Then Sarah comes to him and says, hey, listen, listen, I can't have children. It's obvious we're in our 90s now. And I, I just think this handmaiden over here would be a better choice. Now, listen, guys, if your wife ever comes to you, the answer is no on that always. Can I get an amen in the house of the Lord? Okay. And he says, okay, because we're trying to go past God's plan here. Now listen, all those decisions for Abram had massive implications. Taking Lot had massive implications. Just a couple of chapters later, actually in verse 13, they separate because they start to quabble over some things. Abram gives him the good land. Now some people look at that. But some of the reason they gave him the good land is because he still thought Lot was the future of his family. In chapter 14, he has to rescue Lot from Sodom because he's gotten in such trouble. Chapters 18 and 19, his family has become so wicked that Abraham has to go save them from Sodom and Gomorrah as it's being destroyed. And you remember the story as they're walking out, the wife can't leave behind what's there and she looks back and has turned into a pillar of salt, right? And the bad things don't end there from taking Lot on this trip. In chapter 19, Lot has inappropriate relations with his daughters, which leads to two lines of people, the Moabites and the Ammonites, whose descendants are still fighting with the Israelites today. And even that whole little situation with Sarah saying, hey, take Hagar to be your, to, to, to have a child for us, to be our descendant. They had a child named Ishmael. As a part of that, he made mad his ha- maid servant. Sarah gets mad at him. They banish the child. And that child leads to a race of people that are still having conflict with the, Israelites today so his yes was a yes but and there are a lot of us that are that way we say yes to the lord but let me hold on to this or let me bring my insurance policy or let me have a little bit of saying what's happening and here's the amazing thing in the midst of all that in spite of how much abram messed up from chapter 12 to chapter 21 god is still faithful to him and to the promise Because the plan is not dependent on you. It's dependent on God. And Abram grows in maturity during those years... To the point that in chapter 22, when God asks him one last, will you commit and say yes to me question. In the most horrific idea a dad could have, when God says, would you sacrifice your son? He loads up immediately, it tells us, and every word in chapter 22 tells us that Abram's faith has no conditions there. And he goes to the mountaintop and he gets to the mountaintop and God stops his hand and he says, Because I see you're withholding nothing from me. Every step of the way, God simply asked Abraham to say yes to him. And so as we close today, my question to you is simply this. Wherever you are in your faith journey. Will you say yes to the Lord? Maybe that's a first-time decision to follow Jesus Christ. You've never done that. You don't have a relationship with Him. You don't even understand what that means. Or maybe as a child you made a commitment, but that is long past. Will you simply say yes to Him? Maybe that is that you need to take the next step, that you have committed your life to Jesus Christ. But the next step for you is baptism. You've never been baptized. You need to join a church, this church or some other church where God is leading you to be a part of. Maybe it's to be more faithful in your attendance to church in order to hear more about God's word. Maybe it's a daily decision making that you need to be more aware of what God is calling you to do. Maybe it's financial decisions that have gotten you in issues or you need to begin to change your ways. Maybe it's sharing your faith with your neighbor across the street or your friend at school or your. Coworker, maybe it is to get involved in a ministry maybe it's to sacrifice some things in your life that you have said yes to numerous times and it has filled your schedule to the point you can't allow room for the lord maybe it's to do missions to take the gospel to people in a summer mission trip or for a lifetime you say, Pastor, I don't really know. I'm willing to say yes. I just don't know what that next step is. I don't know how to discover the next step. A couple of suggestions I would give you. First of all, just begin to read God's Word. His instructions are in there. And as you read it, begin to ask, what are you asking me to say yes to? My second suggestion is you need to be involved in a small group. We have small groups on Sunday morning here. Sunday school classes is We We have small groups that meet in homes for some, some of our age groups that serve a lot on Sunday morning. And you need to be involved in a small group. It's in community that God often speaks to us. If you're not involved in a small group, if you'd like to be involved in a Sunday school class, I want to invite you to one next week. We're starting a brand new class next week that we're going to talk about today at the luncheon. It's for people that are new or people that aren't connected to Sunday school. It's FBC DNA. I'm going to teach it with Jeff Kelly. And we're going to talk through what our church is and about. Now, if you're in a Sunday school room, stay there. If you're in Sunday school class, stay there. Go to that. But if you haven't connected yet, it's a great place. And then I want to tell you, and I mean this, I want to give an endorsement to something that's starting Wednesday night, and I mean it completely. One of the best things in my life that helped me to begin to focus in on what God is calling me to do is a study called Experiencing God. This Wednesday night at 6 o'clock, we are, as a church, going through that. We're going to have three groups. That's where we're going to start. If we have tons of people show up, we'll start more groups. We will have bigger. We want it to be able to have intimate conversations in those. We're gonna have a group for women only, so women can go be a part of that. We have a group for men only, and so men can go and be a part of that. And then we're going to have a co-ed group for whoever wants to kind of be a part of that, an open group. It's going to be led by great individuals in our congregation that are passionate about following the Lord. And we're going to discover together... What it means to experience God and really to know and do the will of God. To know what to say yes to. So I invite you. If you're looking out and saying, what's my next yes? Then I would invite you to come and to find what God is saying to you. Let's pray together.